So as you can see, I'm not John. A little darker, a little, little more handsome. Uh, my name is Stephen Gilchrist. Uh, I am a church planter in southwest Atlanta, uh, more specifically Fairburn, Georgia, out there by the airport. Uh, see, I met John about a year ago, I think. It feels like a little bit longer, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I've gotten to know this brother, and it's been a, it's been a good thing. Um, he wanted me to talk about my church plant, which is really, it's odd for me, only because I don't mind standing up and preaching the word. I don't like to talk about myself. Like, my wife knows this. This is like weird for a preacher who don't like to talk about himself and what the Lord's doing. But that's me. But let me tell you why I'm planting a church. Because people are lost. We got a lot of churches in the South, as you all know, but a lot of those churches are not filled. Some churches are dying, and people aren't going out into the highways and the byways to make disciples. And the way that I read my scripture, it tells me to go and make disciples of all the nations. And so I've chosen an area in uh, Southwest Atlanta that kind of covers uh, South Fulton, Union City, and Fairburn, Palmetto even, I've chosen that area to go and make disciples because I believe that those people get overlooked often. Sometimes in churches, certain people of certain um, economic reasons, for social reasons, for ethnic reasons, are often overlooked, left over, or just left out of things. Um, but I believe that God has a desire for us to go and to see people as people, not as statistics, and to see people as souls needing a savior and to see needs be met, right? We don't just preach Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that's what we desire to do at Jubilee Fellowship. So if you would be so kind to pray for me as you think about it, pray for my family. Uh, we have twins, so y'all pray for us. They are 10. We love them, but they are a lot. Uh, but yeah, just, just pray that Jubilee will be faithful, right? We want to be people that make disciples and not just try to rush to meet on Sunday, right? The Christian life is so much more than just Sunday. And so that's what we're faithful to carry out, just to see lives transformed, to see people liberated, and to see people experience Jubilee both here and now, waiting for Jesus to return. Amen? All right, now we'll turn to the text. And I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you said these four words? Look what God did. You see, God saw Israel crying out as they're being oppressed in Egypt. And he sent Moses to go and get them, to be this rescuer, to be this mediator, to, to bring them out of bondage. That happens, they cross the Red Sea, everything's all good, and God begins to communicate to them, this is how you enter into my presence, here's how you perform these festivals, here's how you will worship me. And God didn't need, didn't need to do that. Like, I sometimes think that we, we tend to look at God the way we look at America. Like, you owe me, you're supposed to tell me all these things that I want to do. And we are so arrogant and foolish to think that way. And yet God is so gracious and so loving 
to even tell us an inkling of how to approach him, to how to worship him. And that's what you see in uh, chapter 31, 30 and 31. He's just communicating to them, here's how you come and spend time with me. I will tabernacle among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. God's been so faithful to the covenant, even when we reject him, forget about him, or just say, ah, we're going to do it our own way because we love to do things our own way. Amen, somebody. <laughs> and yet, we're so thankful to, to receive the good gifts of God and we'll, we recognize that we know if we're just reading our Bibles, we recognize that we're sinful people in need of a Savior who God has saved and he's making us more like his son, and yet we'll take those good things that he gives us and begin to say, look what I did. Look how hard I worked. Look how wise I was. Look how well we set our kids up. Look how well we voted. I'm meddling now. <laughs> Look how well we voted. And you see in chapter 32, it starts out with a panic, if you read it right. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. Now, how many times have you prayed once or twice expecting God to answer your prayer? He doesn't. And you're like, God, what you doing? Are you busy? Am I not important enough for you to answer my prayers? I can't wait any longer. I mean, I've, I've been talking to everybody else but you, and so when I come and talk to you, you should answer my prayer. Can't say amen, say ouch. And so the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, which is to say they were tired of waiting on Moses, who was on this mountain for a long time. Now, here's where we got to be honest with each other. We don't like to wait, period. This is just a, a human problem, right? But imagine this guy who came and rescued you just like appears or ascends up a mountain and disappears for a while. You'd be looking around too. Where's Moses? Did he fall asleep? Did he forget about us? Is he dead? We don't know. We haven't seen him. We don't hear anything. We don't know what's going on. Because what we need are our needs to be met. Oh, y'all should have shouted there. <laughs> so on, what happens is a group of Israelites gather up, and they, the text says they gather together and really consider this. A bunch of dudes say, you know what? We're tired of waiting. We're tired of being patient. We're going to go and make our own things happen. So they gather together and they run up on Aaron. And they say, make us a God. Which is actually right along with their custom. Right along with their culture. Because they just needed something like a God that they would worship to then direct them and to guide them. So they can take all the good things and then turn them into God things. Treating them like God not recognizing that they're committing idolatry just so they can get their own way. Have y'all done that this week? You take good things and turn them into God things? Because it, it, it treats you right, because you can control it, right? Your, your iPhone, iPad, all the I things, because they really are be about I things. <laughs> 
my things. And so they say, make us a God who shall go before us. So this Moses guy, we don't, we don't know what he's, what he's doing. They recognize that he brought them out of Egypt, but then they say, make us a God who will bring us out of Egypt. You see, we don't like to weigh, and so because we get good things for God, we turn those, God, those good things into God things and commit this idolatry in a way that we change the narrative. And Aaron, a priest just like Moses, decides to do what is culturally expected of him. He surrenders to that pressure. And if we got any parents in here, y'all can testify, whether you want to acknowledge or not, that you have surrendered to the pressure of your kids just to be seen as a good or cool parent for your kids. We just did that yesterday. I'm going to testify. <laughs> Repent. So Moses says, okay, take off all the rings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And so they oblige because Moses, or excuse me, Aaron is giving them what they want. And once they gave it to him, he created the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool, and he made this bull calf. This bull calf signified strength and lordship. This calf that he made signified what God is to them. And then this is the part that just throws me. As soon as he does that, they say, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then Aaron sees that and builds an altar before it and says, we're going to have a feast tomorrow for the Lord. You see, idols can do a lot of things for us, but they only do things in a temporary manner. It's never long-lasting as much as we want it to be. Right? You can only have a shiny new toy for so long before it's just a toy. Right? You can only buy the, let's see, for the dudes, Y'all probably get, like, pay-per-view to watch games, football games. You can, I mean, it's only exciting after so long or maybe until your team loses. It's probably not fun anymore after that. And then for some of our sisters, you, you can probably buy certain things for the house and it just looks nice until the kids go and mess it up or do something like that. Now you just, it just becomes a chore, right? Well, this God that Aaron made out of the pressure from the people becomes this thing that they turn and celebrate. The same way that God had just shown them chapters earlier, this is how you celebrate me, they do that very same thing to this idol. Look what God did. This God that brought us out of the land of Egypt. And they rose up early the next day, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and the people danced, they ate, they drunk. Good drink, probably. And while this is going on, the same guy who they have replaced and rejected tells Moses to get down there to deal with his people. Now, you got to remember how holy God is. I think we know that on Sunday, but what about Tuesday afternoon? What about Thursday morning when you're driving and somebody driving crazy on the highway every day cuts you off or makes you miss your turn or whatever gets you upset? Do we, do, do we actually know how holy God is? 
And do we couple that with how loving God is? You see, God was on this mountain looking down, talking to Moses, seeing what the people are doing. He could just kill them right there. But what God did was, hey, Moses, go get your people. Go get your people. They're tripping. They're sinning. They created this idol. Go get your people. That's mercy, y'all. That's mercy. We don't deserve, nor can we earn, any day of the week. So Moses goes down. But before he gets there, he hears this language that I want you to pay attention to. It shows the mercy of God coupled with his love. He says, they've turned aside quickly out of the way and I've commanded them. They've made for themselves this bull calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it, saying these are, or this is your God. Then he says, therefore, let me alone that, I'm, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. Why? In order that I may make a great nation of you. See, even in that, that proclamation of condemnation, God reminds Moses about the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God never forgets, but God's too holy just to let sin go by. So Moses begins to plead. And he, he tries to remind God of, well, what about, what about Egypt? What would they say if they knew that you rescued them and sent them out just to kill them. And he gets all the way to verse 13, this reminder of the covenant. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. There Moses is pleading with God, mediating both as prophet and priest, that God will remember the very same covenant that he made with their fathers. And that has everything to do with us today. Because we needed that same covenant faithfulness on his part to be carried all the way to us. Now, the, the cool thing about Moses that we need to take, take a little page from is that it's a, it's a biblical thing for us to mediate for those who are in, in the wrong. That's a good thing. That's a biblical thing. But because Moses wasn't perfect, and we aren't either, Moses had to look forward. We can look back and remember the one who was perfect. That perfect mediator, that perfect prophet, priest, and king. That one who had to go and sacrifice in a way that they could never sacrifice in order to deal with that wrath. You see, I don't know if you're going to get to this later, John, so I, forgive me for overstepping if I am, but this is the first time or four times that Moses has to intercede or mediate for Israel. And you keep reading Exodus, 3,000 people get killed. So it's not like this time is like, oh, everything's great, moving forward, we're all holy now, everything's, we're so reconciled, we're good now. No, they still sin just like we do. Moses intercedes over and over and over again, doing what God made him to be, a mediator. Oh, but we got a mediator who never had to sacrifice more than once. Amen, somebody. 
our mediator, the precious, holy, righteous, and just Jesus Christ, taking on flesh, Allah, the incarnation, being just like us, being tempted in every way and yet without sin, obeying his Father all the way through that Passion Week to the point where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we can say, look at what God did. Because that same God-man who took on flesh nailed every one of our sins to the cross, past, present, and future. You see, idolatry needs to be dealt with just like a, a heart that gets steered away from God needs to be dealt with just like us taking nice things that we get from God and turning them into God things needs to be dealt with. And all those things God dealt with on the cross. I want to encourage you because I know no one in this room is perfect. And maybe you came into church this morning carrying some sins, carrying the weight and the burden of those sins, feeling like you have to go and do a whole lot of things to sort of make them right. But I want to remind you what your Savior did on that cross. He nailed all of your sins, justifying the wrath of God and yelled out, it is finished. And then three days later, he got up again with all power and all authority in his hands. And so as you think about this bull calf and you think about Israelites and what they did, and you might be tempted to think like, they can never get it right. Oh, we can't either. But we have the Holy Spirit, amen? And he lives to intercede for us. He groans for us when we can't get the words out in our prayers, and he will empower us to live a life that trusts and follows hard after Christ. And so in closing, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Think less about the bull calf. Think less about this idolatry. Think, think even less about your idolatry. I want you to think more about what would it look like for you to follow hard after Jesus and take every good thing that you get and say, look what God did. Pray with me. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you re remind us of how faithful you are when we can be so unfaithful? Would you remind us of how loving you are when we can be so unloving? Would you remind us that you desire to hear from us so we can cast our cares upon you? And to be mindful, Lord, that we would be disciples, practitioners, of your will and your way. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us even now as we continue forward, as you move into a time of silence. And it is in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.